Welcome to Product Coffee, a podcast where product management leaders share stories, advice, and thoughts on all things product over a cup of coffee. Grab a cup of joe and join us to level up your product career 30 minutes at a time. Hello, welcome to Product Coffee. Um, We're going to be talking today about the player coach. Um, We're in a similar space in our careers. Uh, um, I'm here with Lou and Patrick and we're talking about, you know, uh, entering into managing other product managers, but also still kind of playing that IC role. Uh, um, and then what does that transition look like and, and how, what are the learnings that we're in, encountering today um, and, and talking about tips and tricks for it. So, so with that, um, maybe we can start, Patrick, I'll, I'll throw the question to you. Um have you managed other product managers in the past? Is this your first type of role that you get to do that? And then um, a follow-on question to that. Um, how is it going so far? Yeah, and I'm fortunate in the fact that, you know, I have, I've managed a lot of people for a lot of very different organizations. Um, so this is actually not the first time I've managed a PM. Um, I've done that a couple other times before in the past. Um, I think it's always a little bit of a transition, especially if you're going from an IC role in the product world to managing. <clears throat> I know, you know, for Lou and I, as we, you know, step into group roles, you know, you have very much that player coach mentality. I tend to be a, a big proponent of it because it keeps you close to, you know, the decision-making process to the feature set that you're actually building, but also let you kind of start stretching into some of those managerial topics. And so I think the biggest thing to know is probably twofold. One is we tend to be very type A personalities as individuals, very much driven. We have our own visions of the, of the product. So stepping into a management role requires you then to do the second thing, which is really be willing to step back from the product and from the specific designs, from what the feature itself may look like, and instead focus on the outcomes. So this ability to kind of divest yourself from the day-to-day is particularly challenging. And you really have to kind of take on, you know, the mentality of kind of what Eisenhower did, right? Which is, you know, stepping away and letting good people just produce really good results. And that takes just a very big mental shift. Um, For me, I think it's going well. It always is a bit jarring when you get back to it. I always feel like it takes me a couple of weeks to be like, wait, wait, wait cool it step away this is their thing Orient, yeah give them pointers but don't do it for them so right and how yeah. Do you, yeah go ahead lou sorry i was gonna say no i i agree with patrick because similarly i've managed a good chunk of people from different you know problem spaces coming into ibotta um most of my former startups we didn't have a, a distinct product roles though you know product kind of oversaw you know most of you know, the other sides of the, the technical business. So kind of coming in, one of the things that I kind of went through on a mentality shift was, you know, as a individual contributor, you know, you kind of really are all about your individual hustle. Like, you know what you need to get done. You work pretty aggressively to make sure those things happen. And as, you know, the player coach, you start thinking about how can I make this experience great for everyone else while they're here? How can I make their product management experience fantastic? How can they, how can I get them to accomplish the things that they need to accomplish? 
and ensure that I'm there to support that. It's kind of a, it's an interesting mentality shift where it goes from a focus of one and my goals and my things and my product that I'm working on, or even my, you know, collection of products that I'm working on to, you know, how can I make sure that everybody else has what they need and that they are successful and that they are achieving the things that they need to do. So it's a, you know, definitely an expansion and more of a focus on providing for others. Yeah, that makes sense. I think like, uh, they almost become the product, right? Yeah. <laughs> Their career is now the new product that you have to, to think about, uh, and, and take on. Um, yeah, I wonder if there, is there any kind of correlations from IC product management roles that you've kind of translated into management? It is problem solving at the end of the day, right? It's just that the problems are slightly different and maybe they're mm-hmm. a little bit more, I, I saw in the article that Patrick shared ambiguous squared, I think makes it you know, more interesting because it's not only is the problem that your PM report is solving, but it's also the manner in which they are solving it and the resources they need, which could be the second level of ambiguity. In like, even like we talked about last week <clears throat> where you have democratization of a product, I think it's very similar um, where you need to understand kind of the scope. You need to understand, you know, what the outcomes are going to be. You need to understand mm-hmm. how to motivate the people um, and so it all kind of translates. So it's the very same thing of managing stakeholders and kind of managing up that we've all kind of learned to do, just taken to a slightly different perspective. So now you are kind of that mid manager. So you still have to manage up and now you're managing down, just treating them basically the same way where it's going to be, hey, they're a stakeholder. What are their needs? What are their expectations? How do I quantify that? How do I make it repeatable and understandable? I was going to say that goes maybe Kevin to you where you you were starting with a new org starting to build up the product team kind of from from ground zero you know how were you approaching that because you you know at least Patrick and I are sitting inside of a little bit of an existing framework you know with uh, some established practices yeah I mean and that I've learned from that 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 framework and that those practices so it's it's nice to just lean on some of your experience to say, hey, where were some product organizations that worked really well and what kind of made it that up and then how how do we kind of uh, how was that culture and really focusing on that product development culture was super important like how do how does product and the nice thing is at a small company you have that greenfield kind of um, uh, um, you know, uh, uh, way forward to kind of figure out exactly how you want to do it, like what you've seen uh, do well and how would you want your product organization to run, which is a really fun and exciting, especially being an entrepreneurial mindset and product management. It's very exciting and opportunity. So, so I think where to start obviously is to lean on your past experiences, but look at other teams and team culture and say like, where do you want to be? Um, you can leverage a lot of best practices and, you know, Marty Kagan's empowered as one of those good resources coming up. Um, yeah. Lou's got it right up there. I see it. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's, it's a great book to read uh, if you're kind of in that position, because you know, what are those basics and foundational things to really uh, create a good, healthy product culture. Uh, but also just that like what um, product principles and best practices do you want to put forward uh, and getting to think about all those uh, it's a lot different than that IC role um, where you're you're thinking about the product you're also thinking about the culture as your product like like we mentioned right so it's, it's a lot more fun um, I, I, I definitely enjoy that but yeah you know one of the you know kind of making it that 
one of the early challenges that I've found, you know, at least stepping into it, you know, the start of the year is how do you get people, you know, so one of the things that you realize is that obviously as you're progressing in your career, there are things that I'm doing that are making me successful. But then at the same time, what you also want to realize is that that success path is not the same for everybody. And so one of the early on things that I struggled with as I kind of thought about how to help manage is how can I provide insight into things that I think work, but at the same time, not try to make somebody a carbon copy of myself, uh, which would never really work. You kind of have to get people to bring out their own personality, their own strengths. But that's, you know, been one of actually the interesting early like mental challenges that I was dealing with. It kind of beggars the question then of how did you find success there? I mean, I can share my own thoughts on how I've kind of done something similar, but, uh, you know, how is it? A, how did you approach it? You know, it, it's funny is the. Um, in any other case where I've done this, it's usually been a little bit more cut and dry. And it's not like you're having somebody in the same position, right? It's easy to manage other positions because you know what you expect of that position and you're not in it. <laughs> so uh, in this particular case, I've tried to point to things and examples where I've known something to be successful, but it's not a personality trait. It's an action. So if you take this action, it will help you guarantee success versus if you act like this, it will help you guarantee success. Yeah, I think that kind of highlights, I think, part of that core challenge that I was mentioning at the beginning, where it's like, if you had success because a type A, then yeah, you just want to mirror it. So it's much better to have kind of that outcome based. One thing I've seen, um, a lot of times you have people that are very hungry as PMs. And so they're you know, moving to trying to move up very quickly. They're trying to understand what to do. And tempering that is particularly challenging if you're in a situation where someone is like, hey, I joined the organization. I'm ready to go. I want to make an impact and I want to be promoted in six months or, you know, and you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa okay, let's, let's cool it. So I think that as ourselves, as people have experienced it, how do we translate even that element, which I think is probably one of the more tricky elements of managing PMs, which is how do you relate performance, strategic thinking, decision-making, all these things that let you scale up with potentially a slower timeline for promotion, or how do you justify or decline a promotion for somebody who's super enthusiastic? You know, that's an interesting one because I just onboarded a brand new PM. And one of the first things that I did with her and her onboarding, like literally section two was, here is exactly what we expect of your role. Like our first objective is to make sure you meet expectations at every single one of these things. And like, I was very clear about that because I knew that in that particular case, she would be very um, hungry and definitely wants to advance. So I wanted to spell out the rules of the game and it's completely up to them to decide I want to attempt to exceed expectations here, but I at least set the framework for what does it mean to exceed expectations? What does it mean to get to the next level? And saying that first goal is that you have to demonstrate that you are the level that you are. And so that's where we kind of set the like the framework that says, hey, you are new to us, new to this organization. We need to first do a skill set verification, right? And it's, you know, it takes more time than a few months to do a skill set verification. Now, there are instances, obviously, where 
somebody who it, it could maybe comes in and may have had a higher role previously, et cetera, and may just be an all-star where that can, you know, completely shift the mentality. But at the same time, it's like your goal, I think, as a player coach, as a director, as a manager is to first establish the baselines of can you do the role that you were hired to do? And can we set the framework for how you could exceed that? And then we need you to really prove it. And we don't need you to prove it for three months. We really need you to prove it for a long extended period of time that shows you're not just going to burn out. Yeah. What does that mean though? Right? Like, is it, uh, yeah, the long extended period of time, like, is this, uh, I've come into this in my past of just like, you know, you, you, you kind of build that trust, you repeat the the process you meet, you meet or exceed expectations, you know, maybe two or three cycles and maybe it's, it's, it's not enough. Like what, what is that? Like, is that a objective? Is that, uh, um, yeah. I'm curious to see like how, how, how would you guys take that now in your role? Like, is, do you have to see it for, you know, two review cycles? Is there a specific number? Is this, or is there something that kind of drives more trust uh, that they're, they can handle the next level? I think that's the constant battle that we're working with on the management side of product is how can we set clear objective, objective, achievable milestones that don't really take into it that are more clean cut than they are, you know, ambiguous. Right. And I think there's some obvious things that we look for when advancing from APM to PM, from PM to senior PM, senior PM to staff or group, you know, that we look for in terms of what, you know, what would be the clear designated marker. And we want to see that person not only perform that task once, but is capable of performing that task repeatedly and establishing a pattern of doing that. So in this case, it wouldn't be like, oh, you set a strategy for a, a higher level strategy. Great. You did it once. Uh, what about next time? This shouldn't be a one-time gig. It should be a continuous gig. And like, that's where we're trying to really understand. Yeah. I've also found that like, it seems like the inciting event for promotions or maybe being, um, like like so in, involvement in like a high visibility project that has driv- driven the needle. Like there's always something like that. It is kind of uh, I'm a clear story as a manager that you can tell about your IC that, yeah, they deserve it. And this is what they did. And yeah. And they've repeatedly done X, Y, and Z. Is that something yeah. you experienced? Well, though, let you respond real quick. So, I mean, I, I suppose we could take a step. I know it's, it, I think part of the interesting thing for me moving into product, especially in kind of the software industry was the timelines are pretty collapsed or condensed. Um, you know, coming from the military, I'm used to, hey, you're an officer, you got 18 months to your first promotion, two and a half years to the next, six years to the next, <laughs> another six years mm-hmm. to the next, right? And so, you know, in many ways, it's refreshing to be able to say like, hey, I want to articulate this, and I express these qualities and here's the success I've seen. But I think for so many people, it's, hey, I shipped this feature or I had this deliverable and I had this success with one or two things. And so to lose point, I think it's, hey, you're showing a consistent pattern of behavior for feature sets. Feature sets is not your strength as a product manager. And that's the biggest thing that PMs misconstrue about the role. It's really a continued pattern of behavior saying, 
yes, you can share quality. You're going to have some successes and failures. We don't even deem your failures as negative. I mean, that's a growing process. It's how did you come to that? What was your decision making? Did you express and understand the strategic impact that was going on? Recommunicating with stakeholders, et cetera. So it's really all those kind of soft skills as well as kind of feature sets. And really in many ways, as we've discussed in others, the scope of the project itself or the scope of the feature. You know, it's much easier for an APM to deliver a small feature. It's much harder for a senior PM to deliver, you know, the same and suddenly be clapping on the back, right? Uh, that scales, you know, into an infinitely larger uh, organization complexity. Yep, I, I agree with Patrick. And maybe this is kind of like a, I don't know if you kind of agree with this framework, but this is something kind of how I've been thinking about it. Like associate PM to PM is really, you're not just good at delivering features, but you're actually starting to be very good at setting the strategy for your product. And you are not being handed a strategy for your product and being asked to decide on those small incremental changes. You are the one who is proactively setting the strategy for your product in your domain space. And like that would be the, the move APM to PM. And then, because as we would expect, a PM is very good at managing exactly their product in their space, understanding how it fits into a strategy and really kind of, maybe they're starting at this point to manage cross-functional projects where they're kind of working with other PMs and really you know getting that going. And they're kind of very comfortable in that. The senior PM role seems to be, I am setting strategy for squads beyond my own. I am perhaps setting and you know delivering corporate-wide strategic requirements that are higher level in nature. And in probably very rare instances, I am also setting those corporate-wide strategic initiatives. That's where I think we kind of start seeing the level change. So if people want to jump from one to the next, we want to see them executing strategies that they create organically, that they're not being told to create and that they are achieving cross-functional alignment, SLT alignment, and then they don't do it just once, they do it multiple times. And that's where we jump into you know, that level. So, so to get more specific, because we're, we're, you know, they have to do it multiple times, right? Like if I'm a, an aspiring product management leader out there looking to level up my skills to get to that next level, um, I think that ambiguity can be kind of frustrating at some points, right? Where you're like, well, I think I can, I've done this multiple times. What does that mean? Like I've done this maybe two or three times. Do you need it four times? Do you need it five times? Like, <laughs> you know, like what I, I think as a, as a PM, that can be a little frustrating. How do you kind of manage that uh, experience, right? Like maybe you're just looking for that one more time, or maybe you're looking for like, um, maybe, maybe they're not hitting the mark in some things where they think they are. Right. Like what is, I'm curious, have you guys experienced that yet? I mean, I think we've all definitely experienced ourselves where, Hey, I feel like I delivered a feature or did a thing that would be worth promotion. And I, I know depending on your organization, it is going to be subjective and it's going to depend on your leadership. It's going to depend on their own personalities and things. So removing that is definitely the sign of a more senior and established organization. The trick there is as a leader being as clear and upfront with expectations throughout the entire process and not changing those expectations. So that's the hard part. Mm, Too frequently, yeah. I think people don't set those expectations upfront and then are surprised when their mental model shifts or, hey, yeah, you delivered those three things, but maybe the whole time I was thinking four, if you never told somebody that or you never said, 
a pattern of success is this, then it feels purely subjective and that's where people will. Right. Yeah. I think that gets into the goal setting thing, right? You know, Mm. that's the first step that, you know, we want to do with, you know, new reports or anything else is look at their goals and look at their history of where they've been for longer. If they've been, if they're new to the org, then it's about setting your first set of goals, being very clear what the baseline to hit like a meets expectations is what the, what it looks like to hit achieve, you know, exceeds expectations and providing the the clear framework for them to do that. That way, when you come to mid year or end of year and you look at it, you kind of say, we agreed on X and I'm going to hold myself accountable to what we agreed upon. And it's also objective. It's either, it's either met or it's not. Right. And it's exceeded or it's not. Yeah. All right. So, so let's give some homework out to our listeners. Uh, maybe first time managers, maybe uh, uh, first time product manager managers. <laughs> um, what can we, what kind of a uh, homework or advice that we can share with them? What, what would you have? Maybe Patrick, maybe we can start with you. Yeah, I think it really boils down to a classic exercise of going through the motions yourself and trying to figure out what planning looks like. So make sure you do your due diligence, put down non-subjective milestones, try to determine exactly what took you from point A to point B as we talked associates to mid to senior, et cetera, and then remove any personal bias as much as possible and just see where you stand, see what the quadrants look like. And I think the exercise itself will probably provide you a great deal of insight into what you personally view. Now fact check it against Google, fact check it against a bunch of other product managers in the space. Um, and you'll get a, a much more rounded understanding. Yeah, I'd also say, you know, in previous conversations, I wasn't the biggest fan of like product management frameworks, but I am a pretty big fan of product manager manager frameworks um, in terms of what sets objective milestones for the team. So if your company has one, create one, uh, has one, reference it. If you are new and your company does not have one, we highly suggest thinking about objectively, as Patrick said, what it takes to go from A to B. Great. Well, looks like we finished up all of our coffee. Go rate, subscribe, do all the likes and shares and uh, go level up.